for those who have been away and those who are visiting with us. We're studying the Psalms during the summer months, and we are at the second part of Psalm 127, verses 3 to 5. The title of the message this morning is, Where Have All the Children Gone? <laughs> I never thought of this this morning, that all the children would be missing this morning. I did not plan that at all. Uh, just happened. Coincidence. Uh, coincidence, by the way, the word coincidence, if you look in the dictionary, it is coining the pieces, which means that the incidences in our lives are coined by God for His glory. In his book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, a book that is written by Phil Yancey and Dr. Paul Brand. So it's a, it's a wonderful book. I, I confess that I... I read it in, in parts again and again whenever I want to get the sense of what, what human beings are really like. Listen to what one writer quoted in that book says about the birth of a child. We were just reading that children are a gift of God. So listen, over nine months, cells divide into functions in exquisite ways, billions of blood cells appear, millions of rod and cones. In all, up to 100 million million cells form a single fertilized ovum. And finally, a baby is born, glistening with liquid. Already his cell his cells are cooperating. His muscles limber up in jerky, awkward movements. His face recoils with the harsh light and the dry air of a new environment. His lungs and vocal cords join in a first air-gulping yell. Within that clay-colored, wrinkled package of cells lies the miracle of the ecstasy of any community. His life will include the joy of seeing his mother's approval at his first clumsy word. I, I think when, when my first, our first child was born and, and, and I, I was holding Heather and, and I, I said to Lois, look, he's, she's smiling at me. And she said, he's, she's in pain. <laughs> I thought I was so special. The fulfillment of sharing with other humans. He is many cells, but she is one organism. All of this, hundreds, yes, trillions of cells know. Have you ever thought or stopped to think about the wonder of birth? That's what our psalm is dealing with. And in our day, when the, 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 the life of a child is not as meaningful as days gone by, we need to recapture this wonder of birth because we will see what God intends birth to be and what his purposes are. The psalmist begins with giving us what I call the concept of birth, or the, 
the concept of life. He talks about who is the source, who, who makes existence possible, who gives us the sense of our being. In Job chapter 30, the writer says this, Did not he who made us in the womb make others also? The same one who fashions me in the womb fashions you in the womb. God created both me and others. He created both in the womb. So the psalmist takes us to the one who makes life in the womb possible. There's a tremendous passage of scripture found in the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. It's the story of Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac married Rebekah and soon found that Rebekah was not able to produce children. And it's a beautiful story because what Isaac did, Isaac went to God. And the, the, the word that is used, your translations may say, Isaac prayed to God. But the word there is he entreated God. And what I gathered from this was this. Here is a husband who shares the concern of his wife. And instead of being critical in any way, he went to God he stood between God and his wife and he asked God that his wife may produce because he realized that God is the one who is the source of existence in the womb. The wonder of it all. You and I do not know what Psalm 139 is talking about when it says this. You saw my form when none of it existed. God saw you and me before our fathers and our mothers came together and that miracle took place. It was because of what God was able to do in his wisdom in making us the way he has that when a wife says to her husband, I am pregnant, she's saying, God has done something within me. My friends, if we realize that, let me suggest to you that what would not be just a matter of fact, abortion would not be a matter of fact. If we realize, and I'll come back to this in a moment, that God is the one who is orchestrating, bringing everything together. And so Isaac went to God and he entreated God, please open the womb of my wife so that you can work in it and produce a life in it. I was thinking of this, I'll preach a message on this one of these days, the privilege of a wife who has her husband praying for her. That's what it is here. That, that what Rebecca needed, Isaac shared with her and took it to God. In the New Testament terms, he is sanctifying his wife for God's purposes. The giver. Look at the gift. 
the gift. Children are a reward of the Lord. The fruit of the womb. The fruit. Phil Yancey says this. That because we have, we have become so efficient in technology, we have removed the supernatural of birth and we have put it to be mere geology, physics, biology, chemistry. There's nothing to it. We have the technology. We have the technology. We think to produce life. We don't, friends. Only life can produce life. Lewis Thomas is quoted in Yancey's book. Listen to this. In the book called The Medusa and the Snail. Medusa and the Snail. Lewis Thomas says this. We fuss over the test tube baby in England. The true miracle is the common union of a sperm and egg in a process that ultimately produces a human being. The mere existence of that cell, he writes, should be one of the most astonishment on earth. People ought to be walking all around all day, all through their waking hours, calling to each other in endless wonderment, taking nothing except, talking of nothing except that cell. If everyone does succeed, if anyone does succeed in explaining it within my lifetime, I will charter a sky-writing airplane, maybe a whole fleet of them, and send them aloft to write one great exclamation after another around the whole sky. A human being has come out of an egg. So what's the gift? The fruit of the womb is the baby in the womb. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In the 25th chapter of Genesis, Rebecca started to have some problem with the birth in her womb. And, and again, I say this, some of you may have gone through this, we, we went through this when our son was about to be born. And Rebecca said, what is happening? And she went to God. She went to God and asked, what is happening within me? There is a, there is a, a commotion in my womb. And she's concerned about this. Whether she thought she was going to lose the baby or not, I don't know. But she was not comfortable with what was happening in her womb. And she went to the one who put that, that, that life in there. And listen to what God says. I want you to hear this. God said, there are two nations within you. Please note that God didn't say there are two tissues in you. He didn't say that, that it is just chemicals within you. He said there are two nations, two human beings 
The text says the children in you, the babies in you. I was quite concerned. Not concerned. I, I thought it was quite interesting when uh, Prince William's wife was expecting her first child. When, when the prince and the princess were expecting, they said, Princess, whatever her name is, is about to give birth to a child. She's carrying a baby. The baby will be born at a certain point. You notice they didn't say she's carrying a tissue? Said she's carrying a baby. So if you're a prince, you can carry a baby. I want to tell you now, when my wife at 42 was pregnant with our son, the doctor, with all respect to me, said, Mr. Thurton, if you want to abort it, you can. I know you won't do it, but it is my responsibility to let you know. I want to share some thoughts with you, friends, which we have to be concerned about. The baby in the womb, the children in the womb, two of them, this past week, the stats came out that you will see how it relates. In 1973, this country, that time I was in Canada, this country passed a law called the Wade Rowe Law, by which abortion became accepted. I took time to look at the stats from 1973 to the present time, 60 million children have been aborted. 60 million. I read one article where this young lady is holding a dog and she said, the reason I don't want children is because I want to spend more time with my dog. totally separated from the wonder. She thought her dog deserves more of her time than to give children. 60 million. So I knew that you wouldn't be pleased with me if I didn't say something about Canada. Because I might condemn the United States and leave Canada untouched. I'm not that stupid. In Ontario, where we lived, in Ontario, the government was asked to give the amount of children that is aborted in Ontario each year. Listen to the stats. 18,300 of abortions were done in a doctor's office. 16,055 was done in private facilities. 9,612 were done in hospitals. Now if you calculate that, it comes up to 43,997. But when the government gave the report, they reported 28,000. 
Where have all the children gone? They're lying through their teeth. They're killing babies all over the place. And so that it doesn't look so bad, they give you a wrong number as to the amount of abortion that is taking place. Listen, friends. Let me read to you what came out this past week. The birth rate fell in the United States and it is in Canada. I didn't have the stats for Canada. I only got the one for the States. The birth rate fell for nearly every group of women of productive age in the United States in 2017, reflecting a sharp drop that saw the fewest newborns since 1987. According to a new report by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, there were 3,853,472 births in the United States in 2017, down 2% from 2016, and the lowest number in 30 years. That led, I didn't realize that there was a, a writer writing about the children. And he writes this, the silence of age, the silence of echoes, the silence through the streets, sounds like an old wooden floor under heavy feet. All of the children once running around have evacuated or maybe they just disappeared. Where have all the children gone? Just yesterday, they were tying ribbons in the, in the tree and swinging from the branches. They were leaping over coals and swooning at, at any time. Where have all the children gone? Those of us who remain wander around like abandoned children in shopping malls where have all the children gone? Maybe this is just a dream. Maybe we are sleeping in rooms filled with metal shelves. If we put our ears to the shelves, they will tell us stories of how they were emptied. Emptied by the fingers of fathers. Emptied into flesh of their own sons and daughters. Where have all the children gone? We hope they're just hiding we hope they're playing a game, but we know this is really happening. Where have all the children gone? Children are a gift of God. And I want to share something with you, friends, in the celebration of children. This is the second part of the text, verses 4 and 5. Children are like arrows. I, I couldn't help but think of Warren when I was reading this. Warren and his sword, uh, his uh, um, bow and arrow. Uh, interesting, he's never asked me to shoot one. <laughs> he's afraid of where I might aim that thing. I don't know, I don't know. So. But Psalm 127 says this, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord, the fruit of the womb, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Now, the reason they say youth here 
is because in, in the Jewish setting, children used to be born to mothers who were 14 and 15 in a family setting. So that's why the word youth is, is used there. But children are like. And a father who takes a bow and, 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 and he aims that bow, he has a goal. And he aims and he, he draws that bow and that arrow goes in the direction the father is sending it. And my friends, this is what fathers do with their sons and daughters. If you were living in the day of Israel, a father used to teach his son his profession so that it is not likely that a son would become a banker if his father was a farmer. The son of a banker would become a banker. Now we're living in different times, I recognize that. But what I'm saying is that the father aims, the father begins to take that child and shape that child, just as it is said in Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me. Let me suggest to you what I read in that. When God said to Rebecca, there are two nations in your womb, God was saying, what you are carrying is the future of the world. And, and we're living today as a living proof of that. The whole problem in the Middle East is what happened with those two boys that came out of the womb. But just think of that. We, 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 would, we, would, like, we would like to find a cure for cancer, wouldn't we? We would like to find a cure for mental illness, wouldn't we? We would like to find a cure, Lord, for, for, for the many ailments of the world. God said... There are two nations in your womb. My friends, is it possible that we have aborted the answers? Who knows that of those 60 million kids aborted, if there was not someone's young men or women that God was sending into the world to do something about what ails us? But we have killed them. We have all the children gone. Could it be that one day God is going to say to, to us when we ask him why cancer prevailed, why these things happened, and he will say, I sent the answer and you killed it? Children are like bows and arrows in a, in a skilled hand. And the Father, we shall see from Psalm 128, the Father is the one who provides the direction so that with his wife who carries the child, he bears the responsibility of training the child to become, verse 5, to become one who speaks in protection of the community. In the first, the family is prolonged. In the first, the family is prolonged. Children, and uh, you know what it says? In Genesis chapter 2, a man shall leave his father and mother 
and shall live with his wife. They will develop a new family out of the family that was preceded them. And, and every time there's a marriage, a new institution is being formed as God designed it. I tell you, please forgive me. I, I was in, in, in studying on Thursday and going through this, I thought, what will my son look like as a father? I'll find out in a couple of years, I guess. But just think, friends. God says family perpetuates family. The reason children are in the womb is so that God will provide righteous seeds for the earth. And when we destroy those seeds, they cannot grow. The home is the place where God provides for children to be guided in the future. You know, in Toronto yesterday, there were kids playing in a park. And for some reason, this is the second time it has happened in two months, some young men just drove by with guns and gunned those kids into playing in a park, 12 years old. They have done nothing for that. What is wrong, my friends? I'm going to tell you what is wrong. I want to tell you that somehow there was no instruction given to them to tell them how to treat human life. If we kill them, then anyone can do so. But look at the protection that sons and daughters give to their children. They speak in the gates. That phrase, speak in the gates, the gates in the old days is where a judgment used to be made, where the judges would sit and would go through different uh, concerns that concern the community. So when they sit, then they sit for the purpose. Isaiah chapter 18, verses 18 and 19 says, verse 18 says this, that children has been have been given by God as a sign, as a sign and a wonder, so that every time there is a birth, this is, what, this is what the mother of Moses saw when they saw that he was a goodly child. They saw something that said this child is destined for the purpose of God. Not only for my enjoyment. Children, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength so that when one looks, when one looks, at a newborn babe, they see something that cannot explain, be explained, but can be enjoyed. Wednesday night at our meeting, Paul brought up something about the posterity of uh, Jonathan Edwards, how God may benefited the community of America up to our time with children who were trained by fathers. And I got a text from Pam. She was reading the book that you're going to be studying today, and the same incident was found there because I read it. Jonathan Edwards was born in 1703. He was born in a family 
of ten girls and one boy. So he had ten mothers. He got married. And he had about ten children. And on and on and on it goes. Please listen now. From, from Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. This is what has happened to a community in America. There was one vice president. There were three U.S. senators. There were three governors. There were three mayors. There were 13 college presidents. There were 30 judges. There were 65 professors of colleges. There were 80 officials, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries from two people. Children are a gift of the Lord. They're like arrows in the hand of a man. And when they are trained, they are dispersed into the communities and they bring righteousness into those places. They bring integrity. They bring respect for human life. They bring God-given wisdom to exercise in the community. Because, you see, friends, the purpose of children is not simply for our joy, as amazing as that is, but that we must see our children as gifts of God to bring righteous seeds into the world. Someone put it this way, parents will trust in the Lord for the provision and the safety of their children. They will train them up in the fear of the Lord. They will often consult God concerning them, meaning praying. They will render them up uncomplainingly when the Lord becomes the parent's joy. The permanent record of the parent's wisdom will be seen in the children. The virtues passed on from one generation to the next. Where have all the children gone? There's much more that could be said, friends. But if we can do absolutely nothing else this morning, we need to pray and ask God somehow to prevent the murdering of children even in the womb. Because in Canada, it doesn't matter when it's done, early or late, and I think the same thing is true here in Oregon right now. Early or late, children can be destroyed. I was driving, I'll close with this, with my son. He was just a little boy. And I was listening to the news and the news came on. This woman said, I don't want any children. And Christopher was just a little tot, looked up in my face and said, Daddy, what would have happened if her mother said that? My friends, I don't know, I can't explain why some married couples cannot have children. And I can't explain why people do not want children. But I do know that for every Christian couple, the first thing we've got to ask, will God allow us to bring righteous seeds into the world? And if it's not happening for some, 
God has a purpose. But let's not stop there because when Rebecca could not bring any children into the world, Isaac asked God. And God sent his answer. But I think of this, my friends, as husbands praying with their wives, for their wives, that God might provide for them whatever they need so that their lives will become richer and fuller in the will and the purposes of God. Let's pray. Father, this is a sober word. It would be so much easier to speak on something else, but oh Lord, this is your word. And the country is reeling right now because the birth rate is going down. And the implications economically and protectively is just so vast. So I pray that you will use this word whichever way you see fit. You will cause us to respond in a way that will magnify your sovereign rule over the womb. That birth is more than the woman's health, it is the glory of God. And I pray that this will come about with joy. So that when the doctor says you should abort it, you say, no, that is a gift from God that we might tell others, that we might share with others. And oh God, it just came to my mind, please, I don't know of anyone in this congregation who has had an abortion, I know of none. But if there are, I pray that they will know that there is room at the cross for them. God forgives us our sins. God pardons us. And then he renews us to become what he wants us to become. Hear our prayers this morning. In Jesus' name.